Oh, and welcome to Frank Posen's Big Bag Podcast for January 4th, 2021. Happy New Year to everyone out there. Okay. Don't forget to check out my blog at frankp316.blogspot.com. Uh, my other podcast, uh, Big Topic of Women's MMA, we're kind of on hiatus right now until UFC comes back on January 16th. Okay, so uh, I actually uh, uh, didn't do this podcast last week, so we're back after a week off. And uh, the big thing uh, this week is that uh, Rising had their New Year's Eve show. And so I got Charlie on board to uh, discuss that. So how you doing, Charlie? Pretty good. How you doing? I'm good and uh, ready to go here. So uh, we're going to get to the Rising show shortly. By the way, I just wanted to ask, did you go to the show? I did. Okay. So... Um, I wanted to get to, to a couple of other things before we got to that. Um, first of all, uh, like I said, I didn't, do, I didn't do the show last week. So uh, the first thing I want to talk about would normally, the big story in, in uh, pro wrestling this week was the uh, sudden death of um, Jonathan Huber at uh, age 41. And this was like uh, last week. And uh, Huber was... Um, known as Luke Harper in the WWE and in AEW more recently he was known as Brody Lee and um, he uh, he died of a lung ailment apparently he got sick in October and uh, he never recovered he was in the Mayo Clinic and everything so I don't think they were too sure what was wrong with him and um, um, you know he was uh it's a great law. It's a big loss for the for the wrestling business for a couple of reasons. First of all, the guy was a great wrestler. Okay, when he first came to the WWE, I had never seen him before because I, I didn't follow Ring of Honor or any of those kind of type of things. Uh, but um, and they put him in an angle uh, where he was kind of supposed to be an evil hillbilly or something like that. He's a big guy, and he had the looks of an evil evil hillbilly, but. No, he, he's not a hillbilly. The guy's from Rochester, so uh, <laughs> so really have that kind of kind of that, that kind of attitude. Um, when they let him wrestle, he was great, but he seemed to have a lot of problems with what Vince McMahon wanted to do with him. Vince was unhappy that he was, didn't have a southern accent. You know, if you can believe that. So eventually he left the WWE and he went to AEW and he was a lot happier there, but then he got sick and that was the end of that. So, uh, you know, uh, condolences to his family, his wife and his two kids. And, um, you know, it's just a great loss for the wrestling industry. Jay, you know, I guess you're not that familiar with him. You don't really follow the business, right? I don't, but um, on my social media feeds, I was aware of Brody Lee just because everyone was posting about it. It seemed like kind of like a very unexpected death, which was kind of strange. They kept it very quiet. At uh, mm-hmm. I think that uh, other than his uh, family and uh, uh, top people at AEW, I don't think anyone really knew. Yeah, I saw um, that. I think didn't both WWE and AEW do kind of tribute shows the next day? No, AEW did. WWE okay. has done a couple of uh, YouTube videos. Okay, okay. That must have been what I saw. 
Okay, so, but AEW did a tribute show last week. And that brings me to uh, tomorrow night's AEW, um, where they're doing a show. Uh, they postponed it, actually, from last week. Where they're doing a show, and one of the matches on this show is going to have Hikaru Shida defending uh, her AEW Women's Championship against a wrestler who goes by the name of Abaddon. I'll we'll talk about that in a second. But uh, there was a match on TV a couple of weeks ago where um, Hikaru beat uh, a wrestler named uh, Alex Gracia. I did not post the video online. A um, couple of things going on here. First of all, uh, the video that I saw of the match uh, did not include the post-match stuff. So that's why I didn't post it, because the match itself was you know, a typical squash match. Uh, but yeah. the post-match stuff was of interest because uh, during the match, uh, Abaddon appeared uh, in the crowd, if you want to call it that, and Hikaru clobbered her with a, with a kendo stick. And then after the match, uh, she went after her again, and Abaddon bit her in the neck. <laughs> Okay. Okay. And so, so what's the deal on Abaddon? Well, Abaddon, the idea is, is she looks like something out of a horror movie. Okay. She's got all kinds of weird makeup on and stuff like that. And, and the, 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 the story is that Hikaru is supposedly scared of her, which is so stupid. And, and it's dumb too, because Hikaru, is kind of fearless in the ring anyway. So I don't know why you would ever be scared of somebody who looks like she's from a horror movie. So who the hell is Abaddon? Well, first of all, I don't know her real name, okay? But what I can tell you is she's from Denver, okay? When AEW did a show last year in Denver, that's how they found out about her. And Hikaru actually beat her on an AEW dark match. So they've been doing this angle with her. And, <sighs> the... the the biting on the neck is so dopey. Listen, when the WWE did the same thing several months ago, like before WrestleMania, when they had Shayna Baszler bite uh, Becky Lynch's neck, it was so ho hokey, so poorly done. And, and, you know, Shayna kind of defended it. She said, well, I just wanted to do something different. And, you know, uh, uh, Charlie, it was one of those things where it's the kind of thing where, you know, the angle probably looked good on paper, but right. in execution, it sucked. <laughs> okay? And it's the same thing with, what would they do with the WWE doing something like that? Why would AEW do something so similar? It doesn't make any damn sense. I'm just trying to imagine that visually. I just can't imagine it looking good or anything. It's probably hard to see and pull off as bad. No, it, fans do not buy this kind of stuff anymore. We're not stupid. Yeah. Right. And that's the problem. When you do stuff like that, it assumes that fans are dopes. And they're not. They know it's bullshit. So, yeah. you know, I, I, don't, I don't understand it. I, I find the whole angle kind of – I don't find so, it – I don't find it offensive or anything like that. I just think it's okay. Why is AEW doing something so similar to a WWE storyline that you happened fairly recently? Well, the 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 biting, the, yeah. the biting was similar. The angle is actually not that close. Okay. Just the, 
the biting they did. Anyways, they're going to be on tomorrow night's AEW. So now what I've been doing lately is um, I've been watching NXT and recording AEW. Okay. okay. That's what I'm going to do. And that's because uh, I, I can't record NXT even if I wanted to, and I do want to watch it because it's, uh, I do want to watch it. It's not available in Canada, so I have to watch it on a local stream. Okay. All right? And I use uh, my Roku player to put it on my TV. Oh, nice. All right. So you got to gotta know how to use those online tools, man. Yeah, well, it's kind of weird that NXT isn't available in Canada. You think that'd be a big market for the WWE? No, you know what they've done with NXT is they, they decided to air it in the U.S. on uh, AEW, ex- on, uh, sorry, on USA Network exclusively. And what they've done, instead of airing it on the WWE Network, which is what they were doing before they were airing it on USA, is they've sold it to foreign territories. Oh, okay. Show the foreign territories. So in Canada, it's been sold to Rogers Sportsnet. So what Rogers has done is they've decided to show an edited version of NXT, like it's an hour long. The show is actually two hours. An edited version of NXT before Friday SmackDown broadcast. Okay. Oh, and so it's it doesn't just like a digest. Huh? It's just like a digest then? They've edited it. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, it doesn't air on the network until next week. Huh. So, yeah. I got I see why you watch it online then. <laughs> well, I got annoyed with it. I said, this is nuts. There's no reason for this. I yeah. mean, I'm paying would... for the network. I should get the benefits of that. Right. Why uh, would you but... pay for the. Well, I don't understand their angle. Why would they pay for the product and then only sell half of it? They're not yeah. doing it. It isn't that. Rogers is deciding what they wanted decided to do. They think they're they think they're doing something special, or we're doing a, a wrestling block on Friday night. Okay? Yeah, they're trying to do like a lead in to the big wrestling show yeah. on you know what they should do is just show the whole show, right? But they're not doing right. that. And so I go to this particular website which has the feed from uh, USA, and I just use a, a casting app that I have that I to cast it to my Roku player. Nice on my TV. So that's that'll be on tomorrow night. So uh, I'll be watching NXT live, and then right after that, I'll watch uh, the AEW show. And I'm not a big fan. The pro- AEW's big problem right now is they only have two hours of TV, so they, they're they're trying to jam so much stuff in there uh, that kind of uh, suffers, you know, and, and you got too many factions and stuff like that. It's kind of, ugh. and the women's division is pretty blah for the most part, because once you get past the Karu, there yeah. isn't much opposition for her, you so know, cause she, you, I'm sorry, noticing I, some comment. I've been noticing some comments where like when AEW first came out, is kind of like heralded as this alternative to WWE, but now it's being compared as just like a, a similar, almost identical product. No kidding. So, so some people are kind of disappointed. They're kind of hoping it turn into like a WCW versus WWE, but it's just more or less the, the same product in a different you basically, channel. Pro wrestling is pro wrestling. Okay. Right. 
You can try to do variations on it, but if you're going to do it on TV, especially a major TV network like TNT, then uh, you're going to do it the way the WWE does it because it's a proven okay. format. Okay. All right? And, and they tried to sell themselves as an alternative, but they're not really an alternative. You right. know? And, and, and the problem they're running into like I said, you know, the WWE has, uh, um, you know, uh, three hours of Raw, two hours of SmackDown, two hours of NXT, and all AEW has is two hours, the two-hour show on, on TNT. Supposedly, they're going to add a second show at some point, but they haven't done that yet. Now, this is why they run this uh, show on Tuesday night on YouTube called AEW Dark, which runs about, like, I don't know how long it is. It's interminable. It's like 27 matches, and they're all mostly, um, you know, they're all mostly from outside the organization. It's like they're trying people out and stuff like that. And um, so they, and plus, keep in mind, they've never toured. So they don't really have audience feedback at this point. Like they, like it was. It seemed like a shiny new toy when they first debuted, right? And it's just not like that anymore. And the pandemic, of course, is part of the problem. I mean, it kind of reminded me of like when Invicta FC first came out, and everyone was like super on board with Invicta FC. And then after a couple of events, it was just like, oh, this is what this is. <laughs> so like the event kind of fell away. Well, the the problem with with Invicta is the company owner is a moron. Yeah, it just seems very strange. It's it's like... uh, I'm all in favor of female ownership in sports. Mm -hmm. But Shannon Knapp is a moron. She doesn't know how to book. She doesn't know how to be a matchmaker. They've also handicapped themselves so much with this whole Kansas City thing. Don't forget two things about them. One, she had a partner who got caught stealing, got her got her hand cut in the till. Yeah, but that woman and, was the only one that signed good talent. Well, but the other thing was that they <laughs> turned down a TV deal from, from uh, Access TV early on in the day, in the game. If they had gone there, they wouldn't be on UFC Fight Pass now. Right. And the UFC Fight Pass is the only thing that's keeping them in business. Oh, I know, because I've been to a couple events, and it is like a graveyard there. There's probably less than 50 people, probably half of them free tickets. Listen, I've said all along what the UFC should do is buy the company and just put their matchmakers in charge. That's it. Yeah. Maybe it's cheaper for them just to poach the talent and do what they're currently doing. (laughs) Well, they're not doing it right now, that much of that right now, because a lot of the regional companies aren't aren't operating but anyway that's true let's let's go on to uh the wwe because the big story of the wwe is that at um at the tlc show uh charlotte flair returned and teamed with uh asuka and um uh they won the tag team championships at tlc okay so um they uh I have two new videos up on the blog in regards to that. Uh, last, uh, not this past week, but the week before, uh, they defended the tag team titles against uh, on SmackDown against um, 
uh, uh, Bailey and Carmella and Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair. They defended them successfully, and then uh, uh, they've had a match this past. They had a they had a match this past Monday uh, against um, um, Peyton Royce and Lacey Evans, and so it was a non-title match. So here's the story. Here the story was that Monday night was Legends Night on Raw. Obviously, they're doing that for ratings, right? So, yeah, I heard about that. Okay, so Ric Flair accompanies his daughter to the ring. So this is what they do. Again, it's another case of just just such bonehead bullshit. Okay, they do an angle where Lacey Evans comes on to Ric Flair. Okay, <laughs> he like in his eighties. They on they have uh, Byron Sachs that say that. He, he saw her earlier in the day coming on to Ric Flair. So she does this during the match, Charlie. Okay. And so Charlotte obviously objects to it. And so she slaps Lacey. So the match continues along. And later on in the match, she does it again. And what it leads to is that Ric Flair accidentally grabs his daughter's leg when she's coming off the ropes and they lose the match. So now they got to get them to a title shot, right? right. And so what, are you, uh, what happens is that with the women's tag team titles, they, have, they can defend them on all three brands. Right. Okay. So I guess they're going to give them to a title shot, even though they're not much of a team, really. Um, and I guess this coming week, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing that. But you know, people are expecting Charlotte to turn on on Asuka, but if she's going to do that, it's not going to happen immediately. And so right. um, um, Charlotte has, has said um, that um, she got the call to do this, and, and she respects Asuka a lot. Eh? You know, Charlotte knows that uh, how good Asuka is. She's, Asuka has done so much for her that she's, you know, indebted to her. And they, um, she talks about this. They did a, a, a document, a half-hour documentary. Um, okay. At the show with uh, Charlotte. And she talks about this, uh, about what, what she, about how she'll never, she'll always be in debt to Asuka for, for making her, mm-hmm. you know, at the, at the WrestleMania show, 2008, 18. And, um, so she's she's um, people are expecting her to turn on Oscar, which she the problem with the angle on Monday night is it is it and again it almost seemed like it looked like a good idea on paper, but the execution right. was awful and it made Charlotte look like a heel when she's supposed wow. to be in the case right now. Okay. All right. And so, you know, we'll see how that develops and that sort of thing. You know, and you never know with WWE what they're going to do because they rewrite the show at the last minute, right? Right. Okay. Before we get into uh, the Rising show, I just wanted to mention that uh, the, my other podcast, Big Topic of Women's MMA, will be back just before the UFC, the first UFC show of 2021, which will be um, January 16th. They're going to be in Abu Dhabi for the next month, I think. And the interesting thing about the first two shows is they're both going to be during the day. Okay. 
Yeah, the first show, January 16th, is going to be on ABC in the U.S. And um, that's the first time ABC has had a – they've never done MMA before, but the last time they had boxing on ABC was in 1990. I did not know that. That's interesting. Okay. And um, so uh, that show is going to be 3 p.m., like the main card in the afternoon. And then on Wednesday, the 20th, which is the next show, that's going to be on even earlier in the day. I think it's starting at noon on ESPN+. Plus. I don't know why they're doing that, because they don't have to. But uh, so that's going to be um, – uh, now, in Canada, the only thing I'm kind of wondering about is I'm wondering if CTV is going to uh, simulcast the okay. Saturday because uh, they can do that. Uh, if it's on – Cable, they can't do that. Like uh, TSN can't simulcast it, but CTV can. So anyway, so there's going to be three shows that week. There's going to be the Saturday show, the Wednesday show, and then the pay-per-view on the next Saturday on the 23rd. So it's going to be a busy week. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a, sounds like a mess. <laughs> okay, it'll be okay. Yeah. Beth Korea is not retiring, though, she, yet. She's apparently having her appendix, appendix removed. Okay. And then she's going to have a retirement match later. Okay, so uh, like I said, on New Year's Eve, we had the Rising Show. Uh, what hall was that at? It was at Saitama Super Arena. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how was the attendance? It was good. I mean... We were kind of worried we were going to miss the first match because there was a line wrapped around the entire building. They sold out. They're only allowed to do 15, 50% capacity, so there's 10,000 people. Okay. Now, I've never – I didn't watch the show. Uh, for one thing, their shows are too long. Well, I heard the English commentators are really bad, too, so I wouldn't have watched well, it either. they me. Yeah. <laughs> they should hire me. But anyway, the point the point is the point is I've never watched one of their shows. I, I the shows are way too long, and usually you have like a hour and a half intermission waiting for the Fuji TV uh, feed. So they don't seem to have time management down very well. Um, and the other thing, uh, the other thing is that I just don't want to sit through it. I got I got to sleep. Right. So <laughs> yeah, the thing I should uh, mention right off the top is uh, Ryzen has posted all of the matches from the show on their YouTube channel. So uh, you do, you can watch the whole thing on their YouTube channel if you didn't watch the show. All right. Mm-hmm. I, I watched the two matches that we're going to talk about here. Okay. So match number one is we had Ayaka Hamasaki uh, beat uh, Miyu Yamamoto uh, with, uh, I guess it was a combination. It was a Kimura lock and a, a, a leg scissors. Okay. And that was like about a minute and a half into the match. And so uh, Ayaka is now the uh, uh, Ryzen Super Atomweight champion, uh, which, you know, the only thing she said afterwards is she regretted that she couldn't fight uh, Ham So He for the title. Okay. It's it, the match. The the fight was about what I expected. Miyu Yamamoto. Not only should she not be fighting, she should not be an MMA. She go back to Canada and coach high school wrestling and forget about fighting. You know, it's as simple as that. 
Yeah, it was kind of a weird match because I had the, I had the feeling the match was put together very late. And it looked like she had a knee injury coming into it. One of her legs was heavily taped up. Yeah. Yeah, I and saw that too. I was just kind of, I mean, is she even training? Because I know she went to her honeymoon in New York. And then when she went back to Guam, they did like a two-week quarantine. And then when she came to Japan, she had to do another two-week quarantine. So part of me is like, is she even training during this time period? So, yeah, it looked bad. Um, she had a name value, which is why she's put on the card. Yeah, and... because they, because uh, Saki Kabara is concerned about the Fuji TV ratings, correct? Correct. Because Rising lives and dies by the uh, Fuji TV deal. Exactly. They don't have a Fuji TV deal. They're out of business. Exactly. Okay. So uh, they, they have to come up with a solution for this, right? Right. Okay, because... We'll get to the second match in a minute, but the next challenger for this title is Kana Asakura. She ain't beaten Ayaka. No, because um, in their last match, I mean, it just, I don't see any improvements. Asakura's been working on her striking, but striking isn't what's going to stop Ayaka from taking her down again. And so I just see her taking her down and submitting her again fairly easily. Yeah, Ayaka is, is, you know, not a spring chicken herself. She's, what, 38? Yeah, she's 38. But she's like Megumi Fuji. I mean, I've always called her Megumi Fuji Jr. Yeah, she, um, she'll probably be around for a couple more years because there's really no one that can match her technical yeah, skill-wise. And so she'll be able to go off of her technical skills. And not a lot of the Japanese athletes are very physically imposing. So she doesn't have to worry about that at this point. Well, and, and, and we've talked, I talked, we've talked about this on the other podcast. Uh, you know, uh, Schwann would like to see an atomweight division in the UFC. I really wouldn't have a problem with it, but uh, they had an opportunity to actually do it. You know, they could have signed Ham So He, and then at least you have somebody who you could build a division around, but they didn't sign her. She went to one. And yeah. the bottom line, <laughs> there you go. The bottom line is most of the atomweight fighters are just kind of blah. I mean, the, even the ones here. I think the issue, Dana White, I think recently said that they've been talking about starting an atomweight division. But part of me was just thinking like, well, you're kind of too late to that party because you kind of had the perfect opportunity to sign a bunch of the better fighters and have them all in one division where now a lot of them are kind of stuck in contracts with other organizations. So the fighters that are well, fighting the, aren't available. Look, look the, the, the key fighter, the, the, we talked about this, the key fighter is Ham. Okay? Yeah, I mean, if, and, and, and the bottom line is that's who you station. That, if they had signed her, no problem. Because they can right. always develop the division from there. But they didn't sign her. Let her go to one. What's the point? Yeah, now that she's in one, I mean, she's never leaving one because their contracts are insane. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, it was just, why even bother? The, the fighters right. in that division are, you know, you're going to see more complaining about, you know, too many unanimous decisions, too many, you know, fights with no action and that sort of thing. And that's what you're going to see. 
you would see, but they're not they're not uh, doing it. I don't think. At least that's the my impression anyway. You know, if they were going to do it, they'd have done it already. Right. They've already missed the good opportunity to do it. Yeah. So uh, the other match that was on this, uh, there was a third match too, but I don't think we're going to talk about that. We could talk briefly about it. But the other match, and I did watch both of these fights, and that was Kana Asakura beating I by unanimous decision. And the problem with this fight was I did, you know, the keep away strategy, right? Right. You know, and, and that's a double-edged sword because, you know, it, it, it's one of these things where what the, the fighter will say is, well, I, I lasted three rounds, okay? Yeah. But, but the thing is, she didn't do enough to win the fight. She didn't, she didn't really do anything. Well, that's it. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, just, and what did you think of Kana? What did you think of Kana at this match? Um, I think she wanted to showcase her striking a little bit, but to be completely honest, this fight had the misfortune of being after the most talked about fight on the card. And so oh, when I watched it, so I, when I was watching it, I was just like, I was actually kind of bored by the match, to be honest, because it was just, it wasn't very good. It was just kind of coming forward with strikes and I kind of running away. And then they would kind of go for takedowns and get stuck in like a neutral position. So it's kind of a boring fight. A of times. Right. But also more interesting to me was just like the whole crazy B drama now is just like a crazy B fighter hasn't won in forever. Now half the fighters left the gym. So Aren't they closing? Kind of, um, I don't think so. Um, I, I's boyfriend used to be the manager of crazy B and there must've been something that happened because he left and all the fighters left with him. Now I heard that, Urson Yamamoto is taking over managing the Crazy Bee Gym. But it looks like he just likes to live off of his uncle's name and have a good time. So I don't really see what the future looks like with the gym. So I'm kind of curious to see what happens because it's well, actually Miu's a nice not facility. Actually there. Miu's not yeah. actually there. She lives she in Guam. She lives in, in Guam now? Yeah, her mm. husband. Because when Kid got sick, he went to Guam for cancer treatment. And she went there and met her husband, and they own a coffee shop there. I think it's called, like, Coffee Slut. And they just live in Guam. And she actually, I mean, I'm starting to wonder about that because she applied for a green card because she's a Canadian citizen and apparently didn't have permission to come fight in Japan. So now she's stuck in Japan because they won't let her back into Guam. So her kids are in Guam with her husband, but she can't go back for a couple months. So there's a bunch of stuff going on there, too. Okay, now there was the third uh, women's fight on the show, but it was kind of messed up because one of the fighters missed weight, right? Yeah, she missed weight by a lot. She missed weight by like one and a half kilos, like over three pounds. So name the fighters. Tell us what happened with this because I didn't uh, watch it. it Sakura, I don't think it was on TV. It wasn't on TV. It was on. It was like a fight that happened before the event. And um, it was Sakura versus Eru Takabayashi. The whole angle was, I mean, they're just trying to redo what they did with Kana Asakura. They're trying to, like, have the high school fighters. They both came out in their high school uniforms. And Edu is a striker. Sakura is a grappler. Sakura took her down and submitted her pretty easily. But Sakura but, missed weight by quite a bit. Because she missed weight. She missed weight by a lot. Now she, now, she doesn't actually get credit for the win because she missed no, weight, it's, right? 
It's a no contest. Ugh. I hate that. Just cancel the fight, you idiots. Yeah. It wasn't but, on TV anyway. Yeah. Interestingly, for a brief period, it had more view, the most views of the women's fights on YouTube. So, but now the most views is Kana Asakura. The YouTube count was kind of interesting just to see which fights were interest that people were watching. But unfortunately, Ayaka Hamasaki and Miyu fight wasn't very popular. It had like one of some of the lowest views of all their fights on the YouTube channel. Which it deserves. Yeah, just because it was a squash match. Like, it didn't really pique a lot of interest. Okay, so where is uh, where are we going with the Atomweight Championship? Well, they, they got what they want, so Ayaka is the champion again. I think they're just going to try to forget that Han Sohi happened. And they're going to have her fight Kana Asakura for the uh, – probably they're doing a big event. They're, I think it was in March. They're scheduling an event for the Tokyo Dome which is, I think, their way of trying to get around the 50% restriction, because even if they fill 50% of that, it's still a lot of tickets. And then they'll have that fight happen. The problem is they don't have any other atom weights currently in Ryzen, so they'd have to poach someone let, from... Let me, let, me, let me rephrase that. There aren't any good atom weights. Right. Okay? So, all the ones that you got at Deep Jewels, they're all terrible. So yeah, just so I imagine happens is whoever wins this Deep Jewels Atom Weight tournament immediately gets pushed into Ryzen, yeah. <laughs> or uh, Sakura gets brought back. But Sakura's going to be part of that. Isn't that kind of, but isn't that tournament kind of a crapshoot because they're all pretty terrible? Um, I'm trying to think. They haven't really announced. I heard Saiki say who he think he wants to put in it. Uh, he wants the pretty all- girl to win. Well, she's not a she's not an Adam White, but I mean, I don't know what you're saying. Uh, he probably wants Sakura to win or uh, Hikaru Aono, the girl that uh, lost to Mayasawa last. But um, the problem is, whoever it is, isn't going to be anywhere good enough to give Hamasaki even a challenge. That's right. All. That's the whole problem. Yeah. And so they have to bring. And with the and with them. the pandemic, they're kind of limited as to what they can do in bringing fighters over. But I don't think there's anybody – I know they have a working agreement with, with um, Invicta, but they don't have anybody in Invicta either. Well, Alicia's fought in Ryzen before, but she lost. Yeah. I don't see them bringing her back. <laughs> so I just don't – I mean, uh, the, the issue would be uh, – I mean, maybe they'll have Park fight Hamasaki and be like, oh, it's Hamas, it's Ham Sohi's associate. So if we beat her, we beat Ham. I have – but yeah, there's nothing. There's not a lot of, that they can do. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't. I just think it's at a dead end at this point. Yeah, and to be honest, I mean, it looks like the females' fights got like the lowest views of all the other fights. So I wouldn't be surprised if they just it out and just have a couple people on the events from now on. Well, that's their that's their own fault. Yeah, you know. When you, what they've done, they put all their hats mostly in, let's face it, Rena. Right. But, uh, okay. And Rena flopped, as I think expre- both of us expected she would. Yeah, now she's expressing what interest in uh, WWE. So, <laughs> like, what did she even oh, think really? she's saying sometimes? Yeah. She doesn't speak English, so I don't know what she's thinking. Yeah. She's too small. 
Yeah, and she, I, she'd quit almost immediately. I don't. I think she'd hate the life. I don't think she realizes the lifestyle involved. So what's the deal with her? Is she retiring or what? Um, I watched an interview. It was kind of a weird interview, but she got interviewed by some old guy at a bar. It was kind of strange. But uh, I think essentially she's playing it by ear. So she doesn't officially say she's retiring now, but she wants to see how she feels like after two or three fights. But I imagine if no new opportunity arises, she might come back for fights. But I imagine she wants to move on or at least probably start a family or something. I mean, she's lived with her boyfriend for a while. I imagine she's always said she wants to have kids. So that might be an issue. Isn't she also the GM over at shoot boxing? Uh, Her boyfriend is. Oh, gotcha. Well, anyway, she was never very good. They, They were putting too much of their eggs in her basket. Well, it's kind of this issue where I saw an interview with Sakaki Barra recently. He was never really interested in women's fighting, which is why he never, why they never put women on pride shows. And I think Rena was popular enough that he thought it might be worth doing it just for kind of like a ratings boost on New Year's Eve shows. And then it kind of did well. So then they brought, they wanted Kana Asakura to be a big star, but then Kana kind of lost uh, Hamasaki. So then that kind of just fell apart because I think he's just doing the same thing that Sayaki does, which is when they want to have cute girls, which is why they bring like Andy Wen over or why they bring who they bring over, over why I fights for them. I mean, the re- I fighting for them is kind of hilarious because she was like a yoga instructor at crazy B. <laughs> I don't think she really has that. And she's like taught their kids class in wrestling. So and let me ask we- you a question about this. Let me ask you a question. Is women's MMA dying in Japan? Um, I would say it's not dying. I'd say that it's kind of taking this interesting turn where you and I can remember back when it, the problem was everyone was so old and had fought in each other that it just didn't make sense anymore. It was like, are we going to watch Emi Fujino fight Vivi May for the 10th time? Like, what is happening? There's no new fighters. And now the issue is that all of the fighters are like 17 or 18 and have no real background. And so it's just kind of like uh, watching a bunch of amateur fights. Yeah, it's the same problem that they have. Uh, like the, the, the women's pro wrestling business has kind of been in a deep depression for the last 20 years. Okay. Yeah, I think, and I it's think- the same problem. Like, I think the one thing you can kind of use to, like, focus in on it is, like, the girl that Saki likes, this Kate Lotus girl. I think a lot of people are realizing that if they're, like, an Instagram model who fights, that they can boost their follow count and get, like, sponsors and things like that. Yeah, but they have to win the fights. Yeah, that's what I'm, yeah. This was the problem they had with uh, Naka Kawamura. She wasn't any good. Yeah, she lost eye in eye's first fight, which she's awful. Yeah. So if you're gonna have a fight like that, you know, you gotta make sure that they're half decent. You know. Or you do it Steve Jules does, just make sure that they're all the same level. <laughs> yeah, but that's boring, Charlie. Yeah. Um the issue is is that any fighter that shows any hint 
of being able to make it on a higher stage is immediately going to thrust up against Ayaka Hamasaki and just get crushed and then probably disappear or something. Yeah, there's I guess. No, I think the problem there's always been, if you want to talk about depression, is that there's like four or five fighters that are really good. And then there's no like middle, there's no top 10. So there's just a bunch of amateurs and then the best. And there's no way to climb up the ladder because there's no one in between. So then what ends up happening is you have like these people that aren't qualified fighting people they shouldn't be fighting. It just ends up being boring matches. Well, the, 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 the business in Japan has been like this for a while. The pandemic hasn't helped. And Rick, like, the only reason that New Japan is, quote, successful is because they have a lot of money. The parent company yeah. has a lot of money. And that's the only reason. The same thing with Pancrase. The only thing about Pancrase is the owner is so loaded, you know, yeah. Well, that they can survive. But that's not true in, in the case of Deep. Well, the issue is it's just like in Japan, the fighters don't get paid enough to incentivize fighting. And so all of them have full-time jobs and fighting is just kind of like the hobby they do. Yeah. And so when any decision comes along where it's like, do I want to get married? I have a new job. They just quit fighting. So you lose a lot of fighters that way. It's like, it's kind of like Invicta FC where like, is it worth Ayaka Hamasaki's time to take a week off work to get paid $2,000? No. Well, is she doing it because she wants to? Yes. Well, not a lot of people have that option. So it's just not an attractive career path for a lot of people. Yeah. All right. Anyway, anything else you want to talk about? Uh, I think that Deep is having, speaking of Deep, they're having their um, 20-year anniversary card in February. And they announced that Sugiyama is going to be fighting Kuriyama. And Kuriyama is kind of this young fighter that comes from this up-and-coming, like, popular gym with the younger people called Smoker's Gym. All the people are, like, covered in tattoos and look like Yakuza fighters. But the guy was on Rising Show, and he's very popular. So it's kind of interesting to see that other people from the gym. Is she any good? Pushed up to. Um, she's like a brawler, and she beat Amoeba in her last fight, which doesn't really <laughs> show me anything. So Sugiyama's terrible. Sugiyama's um, terrible. Yeah, but she like if you can't beat her, then you're not going to be moving up anywhere. So, and Sugiyama is kind of a poster child, so that's why they're probably the only female fight on the thing. Uh, we'll ignore that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, that's about it. Uh, again, don't forget to check out those videos I posted at frankp316.blogspot.com. Right now, like I said, we're kind of in a bit of a dry period waiting for the UC to start back up. So, you know, I still post a, a song of the day, right? Yeah, I, saw, I see your Twitter, yeah. I, I still post a song of the day. I, I actually did a video for Mary Poppins today, believe it or not. Oh, nice. What song? Um, uh, I love to laugh. You know who I was doing? I was doing um, Ed Wynn, okay, who was a... Uh, uh, a pioneering comedian going back to vaudeville days. Okay. Okay. And Mary Poppins was about two years before his death. Yeah. Was he in anything big that I would know or? Um, 
You know, he's mostly known for uh, radio and TV. Okay. Uh, but what I would recommend is he did appear in the uh, live TV production of Requiem for a Heavyweight. Okay. Requiem for a Heavyweight, if you're familiar with it, the 1961 film about boxing. It starred um, Anthony Quinn, um, Jackie Gleason, and okay. um, Mickey Rooney, written by Rod Serling. But that was actors. originally a TV production, live TV production in 1956. And it's a completely different cast. Uh, the star is Jack Palance. Okay. And what I did is one day I watched the movie on TCM. And I okay. said to myself, you know what? I've never watched the original TV production. I should watch, uh, I should watch it on, um, see if it's on YouTube. And it was, and I did watch it. It was excellent. And it's different, too, because among other things, the ending is different. Oh, interesting. Okay, so I do recommend that. I do recommend that. And uh, Was Jack good. Palance the guy that was in City Slickers? Yes, sir. Oh, yeah, I knew I knew that name. Okay. This is when he was young. <laughs> Sean Connery actually starred in a British version on the BBC of Requiem oh, for Heavyweight. But as far as I know, there's no video for that. It's not available. There's a clip, but that's it. There's no... So, this, <coughs> the is, back when, uh, this is back when made-for-TV movies were actually good? No, well, what it was is back in the 50s, it was all on live TV. Okay. Okay, like a lot of these shows were live. Okay, you mean mm -hmm. sitcoms, like Leave it to Beaver? Yeah. They were on film, but a lot of the dramas were on live TV. So this particular show was, was performed live on TV, and <laughs> you can see it on YouTube. It, you can see it on YouTube. It, is in, in great, it, it looks beautiful. It even comes with the original commercials. Oh, nice. That's so kind of fun it, to it's see. It's pretty good. So... That's what I did today. Uh, you know, you never know what I'm going to do because of what happens is everything plays at random. I never know what they're going to play. So what do you listen to songs on, like Spotify or YouTube? No, I don't really do that. I watch uh, – what I, I, I tell you what I did this afternoon. Uh, um, uh, I'm a big jazz fan. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I subscribe to uh, Quest TV, which is okay. uh, owned by Quincy Jones. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay, so that's black music. A lot of uh, they just recently acquired uh, a whole bunch of videos, a whole bunch of jazz videos from the uh, French TV network INA. Okay, and so they they uh, posted them recently, and I was watching one of them today with uh, Dizzy Gillespie. Oh, nice! I was actually was uh, I was watching Quincy Jones' daughter on a TV show yesterday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's good. yeah like so that's what I'm into. I'm, I'm a jazz guy. I've been a, I've been a jazz fan for 50 years. I can't say I've listened to it too much, but whenever I go to Kansas City to watch the Invicta fights, I always stop at a jazz club because they're kind of a, oh, yeah, it's a, a big, jazz they're, they're, It's always been a big center for jazz there. You know, Charlie Parker was born there. Right. So I always figured if you're in the place that's famous so, for this, might as well go check it out. So is Count Basie. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, so, the, the, clubs, the clubs are cool. They're kind of like old, so they have like a like yeah. velvet walls and stuff, and it's kind of a fun environment to go see. So Quest TV has a lot of those ja a lot of jazz videos like that. And like I said, they just added a whole whack of new ones, which 
you know, haven't been see, haven't seen the light for like 45, 50 years. Well, that's cool. That'll probably so, help you out during the quarantine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, I was watching one this afternoon. It was about a half hour long with uh, Dizzy, uh, legendary trumpeter Dizzy Gillespie. So I'm going to watch more of those. Oh, nice. That collection. They have, that's what they have on that channel. Uh, that's what's up my alley, you know, because I like uh, jazz and R&B and uh, black gospel and stuff like that. But when I do my song of the day, basically it could be anything because I, I know about music that I don't like very much. <laughs> a gift and a curse to know about music you don't like. I guess. I don't know. Anyway, that's about it. Uh, again, don't forget to check out my blog, frankp316.blogspot.com and my other podcast, uh, which will start up in a couple of weeks. Uh, want to thank Charlie for coming on the show. If you have any questions or comments for my blog or either my podcast, you can leave them on Anchor's voicemail. And if you'd like to subscribe to my podcasts, you can do so at Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Have a good week. We'll talk to you later.